That's right, when you hear that sound, it is time again for Brooklyn Paper Radio. If you're just joining us, we're sorry we're a little late, but it is going to be worth the wait because you got a jam-packed studio of live guests and live hosts. Of course, leading the pack is Gersh Kunstman of the New York Daily News and obviously former editor of the Brooklyn Paper. Joining me on my right, a handsome man, Vince DiMasselli. Again, I'm comfortable with my sexuality because he's that handsome. Vince DiMasselli, editor you. of Thank the you. Brooklyn Paper. Now, I got to tell you something. Thank you, Gersh. We have a lot of in-studio guests, and a lot of them stink. But today we got two luminaries of Brooklyn. One of them, of course, needs no introduction. Councilman Brad Lander, say hi, Councilman. Good afternoon, Brooklyn. He covers Park Slope and other areas, and we're going to be talking to him about Rikers Island, participatory budgeting, and, of course, the $15 million apartment in Dumbo that I defiled. We'll get to that. Mm -hmm. Ian, of course, we also are joined, of course, by Ian Lockwood, who tonight, who tonight... In Brooklyn. This evening. Will debut Rude, or is that Rude? No, you're right. It's Rude. It's Rude. Rude. It's a new comedy show at Williamsburg's South Forth Bar. Now, we are going to talk all about Lander's stuff, Lockwood stuff, but I would be remiss if I didn't start this gloomy Tuesday the way I start every day, whether it's gloomy, bright, sunny, snowy, whatever, by saying to Vince DiMasselli, A, you're a handsome man, and B, how are you going to use that handsome looks? Later tonight. I'm going to have to use it later tonight because I'm so depressed, Gersh. Really? What are you depressed about? There is a depression going on right now because Ruth Brown, uh, my beloved uh, deputy editor, has left the Brooklyn paper. Uh, it's funny because last uh, two weeks ago show, I said to you, boy, it would be such a tragedy if Ruth Brown left because she's such a great editor. You would need to call back Gersh Kunstman to come and edit the Brooklyn paper. And and then it came to pass. So it did, did you, did you did, call back Gersh Kunstman? It did come to pass, but no, I did not call back oh. Gersh Kunstman. There are lots of good people out there that want this job. Wow. Demanding this job. Are they banging good? Banging down the doors. Really? As it were. I did hear some banging. But the fact of the matter is I'm very upset that Ruth is gone. She was one of, one of the best. And we do wish her well at the uh, New York Post, where well, she's uh, going to be doing some work over there. I'm glad you started with that, because that's very sweet, heartfelt tribute. Mm-hmm. But you, i got to ask you the tough questions. What's that? Ruth Brown, Gersh Kunstman. Who's the better editor? Go. Uh, I think you are, without question, the person to do that job, that particular job. Like, you invented the job. I invented the job. So it's it's hard to say that Ruth was better than you at that job, as you were the one that invented it. Hmm. But I'll tell you, she was a very close second, and no one came up with puns better. No one wrote better headlines. Mm. It's true. You I know, was always weak on headlines. There's there's always pluses and minuses. But, right. uh, you know, Ruth was, Ruth was uh, top shelf. All right. Well, Ruth Brown, we miss you. Hopefully you'll come back for, I don't know, a drink She's sometime. probably listening right now. She can call oh, us. Oh, yeah, she listens. Anyway, we got to get out. We, I would be remiss if I didn't mention— And if she was the first person from either South Africa or uh, New Zealand or wherever she was from to, to work uh, at the Brooklyn Paper. Yeah, she had an accent. <laughs> yeah. I would be remiss if I didn't mention our sponsors, so thanks for interrupting me when I was about to mention the sponsors. Who are they, Gersh? Atlas Steakhouse, Atlas Meat Market. Yeah. Of course, Village Care Max, and my favorite— Dr. Joseph Lichter. We're going oh, to talk man. a lot about our teeth later, but let's start the show on an upbeat note. Well, Rikers we, Island. That's now, upbeat. Jo- joining us in studio is, uh, as I said, an eclectic mix. Brad Lander, councilman who covers Park Slope and environs, is going to talk about this new report about Rikers. But first, a word about Lander. You know, a lot of people throw around the word progressive. And then when they use that word, they mean a guy like Brad Lander. Now, I'm not just saying that I, or more importantly, Vince, always agree with Lander. Mm -hmm. But he embodies what a progressive is. Liberal on the issues, but equally committed to fairness and dialogue and debate in the classic American sense, Vince. Is he a fiscal conservative? (laughs) We'll ask him. (laughs) Which is why we invite him on to Brooklyn Paper Radio all the time. And you'll see... We're going to go after him today. And not just me and Vince. Ian from the from the comedy show is going to go after him. Oh, no, he's he's the bulldog. But yeah, you I'm trying s- to come in with some good zingers well, today. You'll, <laughs> see, you'll see that Lander... The Rikers Island comedy is underappreciated, <laughs> oh, I yeah. think. So. L- Lander's the kind of guy who's going to discuss the issues rationally and with the kind of integrity that all too many, including radio show hosts, lack. Hmm. I threw that out there. <laughs> As Vince well knows, I fell I fall in love with politicians all the time. Only you do. To be, only you do. to be betrayed by them. I remember the Yasky. Yeah, uh, I fell in love with Yasky. I fell in love with De Blasio briefly, and I get betrayed by them and the ugly system in which they work. But it won't happen with Lander. It won't. Although Vince is probably going to say it's because of term limits. <laughs> it's probably because of term limits. But anyway, Brad Lander, thank you for joining us. It's great to be here. Now, we got to start with this report. This report, I'm waving it around. Please. Jimmy, can you put that up, Jimmy? Let's get that report up. It's about Rikers Island's 150-page report. It's called A More Just New York City, Independent Commission on New York City Criminal Justice and Incarceration Reform. Now, full disclosure, Brad Lander did not write the report. 
but you are aware of what's I in it. I brought it to the studio. <laughs> he carried it with him. He knows what's in it. It's got to weigh a good two, two and a half pounds. Give us, give us a very brief executive summary before we go after you about why we should close the penitentiaries on Rikers Island. Yep. Uh, it's great to be here. Uh, I love Brooklyn Paper Radio, um, and I do think this will be the best conversation about Rikers. Uh, so uh, this report just came out Sunday. So it's brand new, but it's been a year in the making. Mm -hmm. About a year ago, in her State of the City address, the Speaker of the City Council, Melissa Mark Viverito, uh, announced the establishment of this commission and the hope that they could find a path to closing Rikers. And the reasons to do that, I think most people know. Uh, many of them were really highlighted in the tragic story of Khalif Browder, you know, a kid who was arrested at 16 for uh, on a charge of stealing a backpack that that he didn't steal. Uh, you know, he was innocent even of that. But at most, what he was guilty of was stealing a backpack. Wound up spending three years on Rikers Island without his trial being completed. A lot of that in solitary, and it destroyed him. He came out a uh, a destroyed human being. He committed suicide not long after that. Jennifer Gonerman then it. At the New Yorker did some really powerful pieces on it but it's not just one person there's actually a report out today that violence is endemic on Rikers Island and it just is that out of sight out of mind thing um, something like that put way over there where folks don't see it there's a culture of violence um, and let's remember most people there are there for short-term detention awaiting trial for relatively minor offenses it sounds These, like Albany <laughs> we could, we could uh, the close Albany movement. I guess it can have a segment later. Um, but w it doesn't need to be that way. Obviously, there are some people who are threats to the community, but that is not the vast, vast majority of folks that we're talking about there. And what this report is is a vision for how to continue to reduce the number of people. Well, look, it starts by saying let's continue to work to on crime prevention right. because the reason we can even think about this is how far crime is down. The daily census on Rikers was 20,000 people a decade ago, 15 years ago. Now it's under 10,000, and that's largely because crime is down. So we keep working with successful crime prevention strategies. But there's a whole range of details that I'm happy to go into about how we reduce the number of people right. being incarcerated while waiting trial on low-level well, offenses. Well, let's let's start to unpack this a bit because we're going into a different issue. First, let's focus on Rikers. So you mentioned the tragic cases of people who are kept. You know, Khalif Browder, for example, commits suicide. Tragic case, but is that a problem of having a jail on Rikers or just a criminal justice system that let a guy like that fall through the cracks? The the fact that he was on Rikers couldn't have been the reason that so all happened. The answer is both, and the report is about both. This is not just a report about closing Rikers and, and cutting it up, but having the same exact thing in, a, in five different places throughout the boroughs. Okay. It is first and foremost a set of criminal justice reforms with the goal of having fewer people incarcerated for less time while awaiting trial on low-level offenses or even post-adjudication. A lot of folks are there for 30-day sentences, which don't do, do them or anybody any good. Right. So this is about a broader reform of criminal justice system, but it is also true that Rikers is not just symbolic having it off there on that island so far away from the courts in a place nobody goes to or visits does create an additional set of problems and i think we believe that if the detention facilities are closer to the courts um, in each borough uh, in new modern facilities that uh, and there's a whole training component for corrections officers in there as well that we could actually have a lot less violence a lot less solitary confinement, more visitors seeing people who do need to be there, um, and that in addition to having fewer people there for less time, the facilities themselves will also be more humane and just less abominable. I, I, I got it. Vinny, you know I ask tough questions. I got to yeah, say course. I disagree with you. But <laughs> when you're going to count. No, there's no reason that having these buildings off-island is going to in any way ensure that they're more humane. Have you been... I've been to Rikers Island, yeah. It because I saw there's a Dolly painting there, believe it or be, not. Because it is, I mean, there it is true that more modern facilities, These are. this is a 19th century facility for a 21st century problem, and it's not the only thing to get the facilities off island. We gotta reduce the census, we gotta have more people out on supervised release, have more alternatives, have more prevention, but, Rikers has become a place that is very, very hard to fix or redeem. The physical plant is not well suited to it, and the fact the fact that you get so many fewer visitors there of any kind, it, 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 the culture 
has become one of violence and out of sightness um, that I don't believe that we don't believe can be fixed on Rikers Island. You can build better, smaller detention facilities. That's not the only solution, but it is part of the solution. Vince is coming in here. But it just seems like that's a leadership issue. It just seems like why is it just because it happens to be, you know, surrounded by water more difficult to fix? Well, well, I think a few things are true. First, it's the facilities themselves are not designed. There's a whole section in the report on what works in in jail facilities, what sight lines are. You don't use the old model of like a hallway of individual cells. There's a whole model of jail facilities with better, easier sight lines that make it more possible to make sure things are safe and keep control um, with less violence. So you can't do that on Rikers because the facility is old um, and, and out of date. Well, but you're going to have to build new jails elsewhere if you close Rikers. That is correct. So you could build those jails on Rikers. Um, so you could theoretically rebuild new facilities on Rikers, and that would solve some of those problems. But number two is that it's so far away and so inconvenient that people don't get visitors. And visitors aren't just good for individual inmates who see some hope and remember home. Um, They're also good for a culture of accountability. When nobody sees the place, the likelihood of violence goes way up. And that, you know, we're not that far in Brooklyn from the downtown Brooklyn courts and the Brooklyn House of Detention. A lot more people would come see inmates or detainees at the Brooklyn House of Detention that are gonna be able to get to Rikers Island and that plus the retrofit, the modern facility and the smaller population, we think will add up to um, a safer and less violent facility. But I I was gonna play the community card. Were you gonna play the community card? I wasn't gonna play the community card, yeah. I just wanna know what the model is. Like, are we looking at other well, states, other other cities that do it differently? And, and Yeah, absolutely. So, well, let's start. I, I know you guys wanted to get to the facilities, but I do think it's important to spend one minute on the steps there because the first part of this report is cutting the daily number of people who are detained in jails in New York City from 10,000 now. And it was 20,000, remember, just 15 years ago. Now it's 10,000. We can get it down to 5,000. Um, and that's through a number of steps. First, it is through... Uh, arresting and locking fewer people up for low-level offenses, something the council has done work on, but we have more work to do. There are still people who are arrested for nonviolent, low-level offenses of a whole range of sorts, from uh, open container to being in the park after dark to uh, mild disorderly conduct, a set of things we do not need to be arresting people up. We can give them a civil summons. They pay a ticket. Now, once people are uh, accused of a, of a criminal offense, if it's nonviolent, there's a whole set of ways that they don't need to wait in jail for their trial. Nine out of ten people who get bail set just can't afford their bail. So those are people that a judge has said are not a risk to the community and are not a flight risk. They're just poor. And there's a whole new set of, of supervised release programs that use technology Right? You don't have to have an ankle bracelet on people. You can just say, you're going to have to text us. We're going to text you every so often. We're going to have a GPS on your phone. And you got to text back whenever that is, once a day, twice a day. So there are ways we could have a whole lot fewer people in jail awaiting trial and out on supervised release. I like that. Then, Rob- it's like RoboCop. Hmm. Uh, and look, this is an area where technology can help us. You know, If the goal is to make sure, and you know, we need a, the assessment, you need to make sure people are are not a safety risk and not a flight risk, but most people that are in detention on Rikers are not. Then there are more alternatives uh, to incarceration, even for people who are found to have done something. So there's 1,200 people, I think it is, on Rikers on the average day, serving a jail sentence, they've been found guilty, of 30 days or less. Now, really, what good is that? Like, what is the point of putting someone in jail for two or three weeks? you are not saying that they're going to come out in one month. So the community is no safer because they're in jail for a couple of weeks, but they certainly lose their job. And if you instead had more alternatives to incarceration that involve drug treatment, uh, job training, access to employment, and community service, you can still punish someone for something they've done in a way that is smarter and less expensive than locking them up for three weeks. So all of those things, again, that doesn't have to do specifically with whether it's at Rikers or Brooklyn House of Detention, but the steps to get us from 10,000 people incarcerated a day to 5,000 people incarcerated a day 
is will make our city both safer and more humane. And that is step one. We cannot find places or in the boroughs for 10,000 people, but we believe this report suggests we can find it uh, for 5,000, and then those can be in these smaller, you know, borough-based, more modern facilities. But now I'm gonna play the community card like I wanted to before. You here, mentioned here. visitors, for example. Now, you know the Brooklyn House of Detention, right there where Cobble Hill hits downtown. It was the craziest time to try to get that reopened. Community went crazy. Now, you once said to me, well, people in jail, they don't escape. It's not a, the escape risk. What it is is members of the community feeling like, wait a minute, look at all these visitors, people visiting people in jail. These people must be bad people, too. Don't, you're going to face that when you try to f cite jails all over the city. So first, I think you should, you know, that that I wanted the Brooklyn House of Detention in Councilmember Steve Levin's district. Uh, now, you know, the old David Yasky district from before. And I think Steve would, would love to talk to you about this. I think he has some questions, but it's not close to figuring out how to do it. Step one, those things, like, w w there are ways with a, a detention facility as well to make it much better from a community point of view. So, you know, that thing should, there's no ground floor retail around that. It obviously could be wrapped in ground floor retail. You can trade a community amenity. That's often what happens. You're giving a community something that community doesn't want. You think, what does the community want? And I'm not exactly sure what that is in that part of downtown Brooklyn. A supermarket. Uh, but that sounds like a good idea <laughs> It's always to a supermarket. Um, I do a think, comedy club for Ian. I do oh. think that people have a little bit of an irrational reaction. I mean, we've seen the opposition to homeless shelters, and I think mm -hmm. in most cases that the, the homeless shelters turn out to not be a problem in the neighborhood, but where they are, you know, people are at least are going in and out of the facility on a daily basis. You do not have that with a, a jail. The, the, the folks inside the jail are staying inside. There are not breakouts. You're not having people. And look, even if they did break out, right, what are they going to do, like hang around in the neighborhood and wait for the corrections office? They're getting out of there as fast as they as they could. But Great. Let them pray um, on a different community. Um, <laughs> it's very And rare. I think obviously rare. you can structure visiting in a way that is just like anybody else coming to another government office. The folks that are coming to visit are also uh, not at a moment when they're going to you know, do something that causes a problem for but that you, neighborhood. But as you know, as a guy who's in the government and a progressive and a fair-minded man, you want to house these homeless, you, know, you want to put these homeless shelters, for example, in other parts of the community, and you know the kind of protests people bring up, and those are just homeless people. They're not criminals. <laughs> I, you are right. If your point is there will be NIMBY opposition yes. to the siting of jail facilities, there already has been. Okay. You know, the Staten Island Borough <sighs> President... Uh, the day the mayor said he was supporting it said it's fine if the mayor wants to close Rikers Island but he may not essentially yeah. like put a facility on Staten and Island and the mayor knuckled um, over to that and he should not have you know he Staten should. Island has uh, yeah, a courthouse there are people who commit crimes on Staten Island who are awaiting trial on Staten Island and it's perfectly reasonable that they should be in a detention facility on Staten Island the idea that we're not talking about people coming from the Bronx to Staten Island the people who commit crimes on Staten Island are awaiting trial on Staten Island should be in a detention facility on Staten Island, and that is reasonable. And it won't be easy. And this is a place where I really want to give Speaker Mark Viverito real credit. You know, she uh, stepped up here and said, this isn't going to be easy to do. There will be voices of opposition. But if you look at what is happening on Rikers, if you look at the lives we are destroying through the current system and the how expensive it is and the poor results we're getting, we got to be willing to do it. So um, I'm real proud. You know, there was in a shelter sited in, in Kensington in my community, there was some initial opposition, but we organized some community meetings, some dialogue. A lot of residents stepped up and supported it. It's a safe facility. We even have community meetings in it. So I think when there's leadership and honesty and a real look, you can sometimes work through that. That doesn't mean everybody gets on board. Um, but that's what we're going to try I, here. I want to bring in Ian because we're talking about Rikers and it's almost like he got arrested mm -hmm. and, and detained. <laughs> Ian, well, I'm just well, thinking, um, I, I've just had this question on my mind for a while now. Um, so I'm wondering, these guys, these uh, Rikers prisoners guys, uh, they, uh, most of them are single? <laughs> for the record, Ian is not a journalist. He's a comedian. But that was a very good question. What, are there a chance? Are you talking about dating these guys? Oh, I mean, you know, you can send the single ones to my place if you want. <laughs> ah, that's, right. a that's, not, that's a detention facility from what I hear, Ian. Oh, yeah. Just there are the some record, women on the island as well. For the record, Ian, mm -hmm. Ian hosts a comedy show that's going up tonight at Williamsburg's South Forth Bar. So if he asks a question about detaining a prisoner from Rikers in his apartment, he's probably meaning that completely seriously. 
Am I right, Ian? Yeah, I'd love uh, some more guys to date, and then uh, maybe some guys to come to my comedy shows and yep. really fill the house. It's gonna be it's gonna be a good show. I All know right, that everyone has used going to a comedy show as a community sentence. You know, yeah, it's community pretty service awful, so. assignment. Yeah. You must go listen. If the show is bad, you'll get community service credits. <laughs> All right, no, but in all seriousness, Ian, you live in Williamsburg, am I right? That's right. Now, suddenly, Brad Lander, or in, in, in your case, Steve Levin, comes along and says, Oh, Ian, loved your show. I'm putting a jail next to your house. <laughs> what, do you, what do you think about that? And, I'm not, and the only reason I say that, Brad, I'm not making no, fun. No, it's a You're going to experience Absolutely. this. He's a real guy. Go. What do you think about that? I mean, I don't know. I think I'd have to go look up some statistics, honestly. I don't know if it is a problem. But, I mean, you've got a point. I mean, I'd be a little worried at first, I guess. Well, I think members of the public often have a knee-jerk reaction, and that's why we have a guy like Lander on to say, hey, wait a minute, knee-jerk. Don't be such a knee-jerk. However, you know you're going to hear it. And sometimes realistic, too. You may remember when the state cited the Brooklyn's probation facility in the uh, on, in my district yeah. on yep. the, near the Gowanus Canal. Uh-huh. And their initial proposal was to have all of Brooklyn's uh, uh, pr- uh, probationers, mm-hmm. uh, no, it's a parole facility, yeah. all of Brooklyn's parolees, excuse me, um, uh, at that one place. And it's not that close to the subway. It's pretty far from the subway. So you got a lot of parolees walking from the subway to that facility um, down blocks that are residential blocks. So already we're pretty different from a detention facility where folks stay inside, except when they're going to, to court, escorted by, uh, by officers. Um, there was a lot of opposition. What folks said is we are willing to do our fair share, and the outcome there was that the facility is serving one-third of Brooklyn's parolees, so it's still a pretty significant facility, um, but it's not all of the parolees, it's a third of them. And I have to tell you, um, it has not been a problem, not good. There right, have well not been significant, uh, you know, or a significant increase in, in crime well, incidents well as a result one, of that facility. That's one man's opinion. Vince DiMaselli's team has been covering that facility. Vince, yeah. you got an insight into that? Uh, we have not gotten any complaints about it and since we first did the story. <laughs> Correct. Brad Lander gets points there. Brad yeah. Lander. We have a little ding for Brad but, Lander uh, there. You know what I'll point out, though? We've worked in downtown Brooklyn. I've worked in downtown Brooklyn for 20 years, and the uh, the house of detention, the beloved house of detention, as we call it, <laughs> has, has been there the, the entire time. It's been open. It's been closed. I've never had any issues coming out of that particular facility. Now, that being said, if they wanted to put a uh, jail next to my house on Staten Island, I would have a problem with it. Oh, oh notice he just <laughs> dropped that in. I live on Staten Island where they're not going to put any jails. So, Mr. <laughs> Mr. There's uh, a big piece of property right next to my house, so never say never. I, I will say the report calls for them to be close to the courthouse in yeah. the downtown area. I live so right by the courthouse. Right. <laughs> it makes sense. It makes sense. All right. Now, we got Lander here, and Lander has eloquently explained the report. And again, the, the report is not just about closing Rikers Island. It's about making a more just New York City, which means shorter sentences, maybe maybe alternatives to sentencing. But we got other topics we want to talk to here, about here. Brad Lander. Now, Brad Lander is, I like to call him the poster child of participatory <laughs> budgeting. Ian, you're a comedian. Mm-hmm. If I said to you, hey, do you want to come down to a meeting? We're going to do participatory budgeting. First of all, what do you think I'm talking about? Uh, I have no idea. <laughs> do I get to say, give me money or? Uh, cl- close. <laughs> they're not going to give you money. Okay. But it allows members of the council to invite the community in and, and, and offer advice on how to allocate a small portion of the council members, uh, I guess, discretionary money. And more than mm. advice to help decide. It's helped to actually decide. So Lander is the poster child of this. And Lander and I get into it. I run into every him on the street year. all the time. No, every day. <laughs> and I say, I don't want participatory budgeting. I want fair elections where guys like Brad Lander get elected by a majority of the population. And then they say, you know what? You elected me. I'm going to make some hard calls. I'm going to make some tough choices. And you're going to reelect me if you like those choices. And you're going to... Uh, what's the opposite of real life? You're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna <laughs> throw me in the gutter. Throw yeah. me in the gutter if you don't like those kick, choices. Kick him to the curb. Instead, Lander says, "No, I'll, I'll, I'll make the community happy. But I'll bring the community in. Obviously, very well connected people. I know everyone's invited, but you know who goes to these meetings, and we're gonna let them allocate some of the money. So, how is it working? And why am I wrong? Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's great. It's a great question. Actually, there was a, in the New York Post, Nicole uh, Galinas has a, a smart editorial on why it's she calls it fake democracy. Oh, oh so uh, what I said isn't smart, but Nicole Galinas <laughs> is so smart. Go, go." Um, this is year six, though. We just have finished the sixth year of participatory budgeting. I don't have all the numbers in yet because it just finished this weekend. Last year, across the city, almost 60,000 people voted, and thousands volunteered to help shape the projects. And for us in my district, it's the sixth year we've done it. And it's a pretty small amount of the budget. The budget, you don't have to worry. Most of that $80 billion budget, the mayor and the other city council members and I are deciding uh, how to allocate. Yeah, it all goes to the military, apparently. <laughs> oh, sorry, that's the federal government. Yeah. Sorry, go on, sir. Um, 
But we've each taken, and for starters, there were four of us, and now there are 31 council members who do it. We allocate at least $1 million from our capital budget mm. uh, into this thing, which I wish had a, an easier-to-say name, participatory budgeting. And we say to people, what are the things in the community that ought to be fixed up or a new project that ought to be brought in 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 the public realm. So this is our parks, our schools, our streets, our libraries. Um, and people get together starting in the fall and they brainstorm. And some kids come and say, there's not air conditioning in our school cafeteria and it's just brutal in the months of May and June and September and we can't learn. Um, some folks come with neat new ideas. My favorite project on the ballot, I don't know if it won yet, but I sure hope it did, is the Chip Soup Kitchen. Just great oh, yeah. soup kitchen down on 4th Avenue. Um, they see folks who come there who don't have any place to shower because they're homeless. They're not in the city's homeless system. Uh, they come there for a meal. They said, you know, we heard about these mobile shower units uh -huh. where folks can come in and take a, and schedule and take a shower and have some dignity. That would cost $50,000. They can't raise it from chips. That's a totally appropriate use of public funds. Definitely. And I think the difference. So, yeah, maybe I could have just said, sure, I'll allocate some money to you. But the difference of having them work with some neighbors, build support for this thing, and have a lot of folks come out and vote for it is pretty real. You're saying it's good for democracy because they have to get together. What we have seen, and you know, we've seen this, like, you know, given what's going on in Washington, you have to conclude we've done a pretty rotten job of taking care of our democracy as a vehicle for neighbors to get together across lines of difference, solve problems in their community, and think about making things a little better. That's what happens in participatory we budgeting. We cannot have a conversation. Like nobody can, you see people in the subway and they can't. A woman was overhearing, I was having a conversation with some friend about how much I don't like Trump. And this woman was kind of looking at me like, she kept shaking her head up. And I'm just like, jump in, I don't give a shit. Oops, sorry. <laughs> and she wouldn't jump in. Yeah. Because that's the, that's the nature of our discourse now. Yeah. I don't, you know. And I think people do find it a little easier to talk about uh, school air conditioning or fixing up some decrepit school bathrooms, which, look, we should do without having to have mm -hmm. participatory budgeting, but we don't get it done. Like, there are a lot of challenges in how we make government work, and this is an opportunity for people to come in, fix some problems, uh, identify a dangerous intersection and try to get it made safer. Um, the first two years, the winning projects were decrepit school bathrooms in public schools, elementary schools. And folks said, oh, that's gross. I'll vote for that. But I'm kind of sick of it. I don't really want to use the participatory budgeting money. So we organized a big campaign together with folks from some other district and got first 50 and then $100 million allocated. So now the Department of Education is actually going through and fixing up school but, bathrooms without everybody having to vote for it. But you sort of just made my point. I know in this case they didn't all vote for it. But... The Department of Education has the responsibility of keeping those bathrooms clean. I shouldn't even have to think about it, let alone organize. No, but you know, you, you, uh, you as my councilman are the one who holds them accountable. It would be nice if democracy worked like that. Oh. I, I guess that would be easier if it worked as a spectator sport. But I think what's <laughs> happened in Washington shows what happens when we treat it that way. Mm. And that pushing people to get a bit more involved is useful. He always, I, I love the way he quotes me to me, but he <laughs> quotes me criticizing me about me. It's a genius thing. All right, listen, stick around for one second sure. because, uh, uh, Jimmy, we got to pay some bills, and then we're going to come back with Ian Lockwood, talk about comedy, and Brad Lander can stay as long as he wants because he loves comedy. He loves comedy with a capital <laughs> K. Amen. So, d Jimmy, go for it. Vinny, let's pay some bills. Yeah, let's do that. Who provides quality care at an affordable price? Who isn't? Well, everybody is, and that's why everybody should be going to Dr. Joseph Lichter. Look, Lichter's got an office in Midwood with a state-of-the-art technology, the best staff, beautiful surroundings, but the most important thing, obviously, are the prices. Zoom whitening, $3.95. Dental implants, $12.50. The Invisalign braces that go behind your teeth, $39.95. It's no surprise that the New York Riveters, the WNHL team, uses Dr. Joseph Lichter to keep their teeth looking bright and shiny and straight. So call Lichter, 718-339-7878. Go to his office in Midwood, 1420 Avenue P, or online, josephlichterdds.com. Wow. You have to get your teeth all nice and ready for dinner. You're going to head over to Atlas Steakhouse, because Atlas Steakhouse offers you a unique dining experience. First, you choose your steak, and every cut is aged to tender perfection on site. Then, you pair it with a vintage from their extensive wine selection or with an Atlas Steakhouse signature cocktail. Enjoy a succulent appetizer as their master chef crafts your choice cut 
as you desire. And when your main course arrives, you will understand why at Atlas Steakhouse, they always offer you a cut above the rest. Atlas Steakhouse is at 943 Coney Island Avenue. Visit them on the web at atlassteak.com. Look, let me ask you a better question. What good is having those teeth all shiny and what good is being able to eat that steak if you can't do it in the community? And that's what's great about healthcare when it gets personal. Village Care Max, a Medicaid-managed long-term plan, helps you stay at home and in your community for as long as possible. And it's Medicaid-sponsored, so you don't even pay for it. They work with your doctor, they work with your family to get the best options for you. Don't believe me? Go to the website, villagecaremax.org, or call them at 800-469-6292. Village Care Max, live the life, eat the steak you want to live and eat. Atlas Meat Market is your number one neighborhood butcher shop. Listen, you can't make it out to Atlas Steakhouse one night? Come on over to Atlas Meat Market. They have the same prime cuts that you get at the Steakhouse. They're located at 387 Avenue X. And the great thing about Atlas Meat Market is you can call them at any time, order the food, they'll bring it right to your door. They've got steak. They've got chops. They've got chicken. They do not have pork. It is halal. But it's Atlas Meat Market, your number one neighborhood butcher shop at 387 Avenue X. You can give them a call right now at 347-915-2000. Operators are standing by. Look, you know what? I would be, again, remiss. By the way, if you're just joining us, we have had a spirited discussion with Councilman Brad Lander, a progressive who, who loves debate. And he loves going after me because I love going after him. And we, we battled it out about Rikers, about participatory budgeting. But now we're going to move to the toughest topic of all. Yep. Ian Lockwood. Ian Lockwood is here. He's a comedian who is hosting a show that's going to be every Tuesday night at Williamsburg South 4th Street Bar. It's called Rude. The name of the show is Rude. Rude. I met Ian earlier today. I find him anything but rude. Seems very nice. Nice guy. Oh, we'll see about that. Okay. So, Ian, give us the five-minute overview of your show tonight at Rude and every Tuesday because it's a little bit quirky, a little bit different. Tell us what it's all about. Uh, Yeah, it's pretty wild. Uh, Now, it's not one show. Rude is a night of four comedy shows. We open it every single night up with an hour-long improv jam, get everybody in there, and then we have some pretty off-the-wall shows, uh, three after that every night. Well, so what are you talking about, improv jam? Come on. Yeah, You're talking about mean? an improv jam, it's like anybody gets up on stage and starts doing improv, or you gotta act? That's right. Anybody gets up stage, on stage, starts doing improv, uh, makes a fool of themselves, sits down, uh, and uh, feels it's great It's like participatory comedy. I was just exactly. about to say, so <laughs> Councilman Brad Lander is here. Lander, Give me a bill in Shakespearean form. Go. (laughs) (laughs) Let me not to the Rikers admit impediments. And Lander is not Lander. (laughs) Anyway, it's hard. It's hard. You see? That was a nice rhyme. (laughs) It's hard, though, right? Ian, it's hard. Exactly. (laughs) But so we just had a beloved theater in the community close, the Annoyance Theater in New York. Yes. And so people still want to see comedy, but the truth is, the people who come to see comedy many, many times a week, those are all comedians. Mm. Those are all people getting in their reps. They're all student comedians. Uh, So you got to have an improv jam. You got to get people out there and you got to get them playing if you want them to come and laugh at you. Okay, Improv Jam is the first hour. What happens after that? We got a few different things. Uh, we got a booked uh, stand-up character show hosted by my friends Sophie Zucker and Justin Linville called Sponsored by Fat Tire uh, because the uh, the whole night is sponsored by New Belgium Brewery. Hmm. Which is not Fat Tire. No, that. no, no, it is Fat Tire. Fat Tire is a a flavor of beer. Oh, you're right about that. Okay, mm-hmm, nicely mm-hmm. done. Nicely done, Fat Ian. tire, not flat tire. No, no, no. So the point is, then you got Sophie and, and the gang, and yeah, then what that, happens after that That's show? every other week, uh, alternating weeks with that. We got a sketch show called Fiona. That's one that I'm in that I love. Uh, and then after that, it can be anything. We got some crazy stuff going up this uh, this month. We got, uh, uh, at the end of tonight's show, we have a show called Drunk Dial with mm. uh, Thomas and Deanna, Thomas Frizzalone and Deanna Arthur. They're going to be doing a drunken game of telephone. I like uh, it. Hand out shots yeah, to I like performers. It. I like it. Uh-huh. What's the cover on this? Suddenly the cover went from like $2 to $20. Oh, the cover is $0. Well, who's you have paying to for the booze? You shot every time? You, well, you gotta, you gotta buy booze at the bar. Ah, okay. That's the only reason they're letting me do this. So you're mm. paying for the shots. 
Uh, actually, Thomas and Deanna are gonna buy you the shots if you participate in the game. Oh, I'm in on the game. Yeah. Oh, can we yeah. can we practice we'll that game right now? We'll get more votes in participatory budgeting if we <laughs> offer free shots. <laughs> yeah, you oh, can learn yeah. something there, Lander. <laughs> all right, so that's gonna be the highlight of the night. We're all gonna get completely shit-faced on free booze, I might add, mm -hmm. and then we're gonna play a game of telephone. So, for example, I would whisper into, I'd be drunk, and I'd whisper into Vinny's ear, as I often do when I'm drunk, <laughs> and I would say, Independent Commission on New York City Criminal Justice and Incarceration Reform. But it, I'm wasted, so it's going to come out <laughs> independent mom in New York. <laughs> and then what's he going to say to you? They're moving the jails to Staten Island. Okay, <laughs> and then what are you going to say to Lander? Uh, yeah, uh, Rikers Island prisoners. Uh, my phone number is 818-625. I won't finish that. Okay, and then Lander's going to say to me, I love participatory budgeting. <laughs> for good shots. Okay. And so, and it's going to be a riot. <laughs> it's going to be a riot. So that, to me, is the highlight of the show. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's the last show. We try to end it with something uh, kind of drunk and kind of fun. Uh, but I think one of my favorite things on the entire month is next week uh, we have Mitra Juhari and Anna Fabrega present Improvised in Transit, the acapella musical. Hmm. Is that a riff off of the musical In Transit that's <laughs> you, actually playing? Yeah, do you know what In Transit is? Yeah, it's I a think it's subway an, musical. It's like an MTA-sponsored musical, right? Well, yeah, hmm. it's a real musical, but yes, it got very uh, mixed reviews. Yeah, am I allowed to say I hate the MTA on you? Here? Okay. So okay. Come on, you got Brad Lander there. Tell, yeah, he has okay. no control over it. We won't defend the MTA on no. Brooklyn Paper So Radio. what's the issue with In Transit, the parody? Uh, in Transit, the uh, the full title, Mitra Guhari and Anna Fabrega present Improvised In Transit, the acapella musical, is going to be them roasting In Transit for a solid half hour um, they're incredible performers. Is I'm really free, excited for is that Is there one. free booze with that one? No, but... I'm going to need some. New Belgium. So there's happy hour until 8, and then New Belgium is given like a dollar off fat tires all night. I it's easy for me to imagine people singing funny songs about how much they hate the MTA. Yeah, pretty singing easy. funny songs about how much they hate a musical about the MTA. <laughs> Lander got right to the heart of the problem there. Why don't mm -hmm. we just have a half an hour improv about how much we hate the MTA? Oh, I've done that before. Oh, it's go. easy. Give it's me, too easy. Give me the thing you hate most about the MTA, because you're in Williamsburg, so I know what the answer is. Uh, oh, uh, yeah, you do. It's that they're closing down the L train. Elpocalypse. Apocalypse. Now, Lander. It's happening. You're you're involved, at least in mitigating the, the, the deleterious effects of that. I know, Land, I know you're going to say it's Levin's district, blah, 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 but it affects all of us. Are you going to step up to the plate and fix that problem? What we're going to do on the buses people are taking instead is pipe in the acapella musical, <laughs> right. and then people will feel less angry. Or they'll want to get off the bus and, yeah. and walk <laughs> in. No, we're going to have to. I seriously believe that we should close the Williamsburg Bridge to auto traffic and make it a pedestrian bike and, and bus route. You're mm. here. That's me. That's just me. Now, Ian, where are you on that? Uh, me, I'm going to negotiate to get my rent lowered. That's a good move. And that's <laughs> all I'm doing. No, it's actually, all that right. is probably the smartest thing I've ever heard because yeah. in, in, in Williamsburg, the value of the buildings is actually going to go down. The problem oh, is yeah. the taxes don't go down. But you're mm. right. They The market will actually drop significantly, and you could probably argue for a re uh, some sort of renegotiation. I live two blocks from the Bedford L. Uh, that's pretty nice. You're making, making good money as a, as a comedian. <laughs> uh, well, uh, but we... Uh, uh, I'm, he dodged the tough yeah. question. <laughs> Uh, no, I am. I'm gonna make my rent go down by half. That's for sure. That'd be nice if you can work that out. It, it is, other than by taking in a roommate, uh, that'd be yeah. good. If you could teach everybody that. They did announce they were shortening the closure. I saw fifteen yesterday. months. Oh, fifteen so. months. Oh, okay. Fifteen. Right. Usually, I'll say in my experience, construction projects get longer than they mm -hmm. tell you, not shorter than they tell you. I think. You. Oh, in fairness to the MTA, it does seem like once they finally set their parameters, they do seem to get stuff done. At least in the more recently, I'm not talking about twenty years ago. I mean, the, the second end of the subway opened when they said it would. Yeah. Uh, over budget. Yes. But but it did open. So and have you taken anybody taken the su second end of the subway yet? No. No, I haven't no. taken it either. Wasn't no. that subway supposed to open like four decades ago? No, no, no. Yeah, I'm talking about once they set the recent parameter uh. on that. And look, I, I'm not going to sit here and defend the MTA. Go. <laughs> Is that a joke? <laughs> they are so late on the Second Avenue subway. How late are they? <laughs> that now that they've completed the subway, it's only rich people who live in those formerly student and poor areas who actually needed the subway. Now, I had a different line. I thought you were going to go. It took them so long to finish the Second Avenue subway. They're already renovating the Second Avenue subway. That's, <laughs> yeah, thank you, thank you. So, Ian, good. when can I start hosting your show? Uh, you can start hosting it right now. Okay, uh, it's yours. I don't want it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was. I, I, I told Ian before we went on a little green room talk. I said, Ian, you know, 
Vinny and I, we're the show. We're the show. We, we have. Did you did you tell him our idea for the show? We have a, but, but the this show exists so we can get a show on your show. We just need mm-hmm. a new show. Mm-hmm. We just need another. So can we just come and bring the show to your show? We want to do a game show called Find the Lead. Find the Find the Buried and Lead. We'll, we'll take mm. a New York Times story and we'll we'll find the lead. We'll start reading it, and someone in the audience has to yell out, "That's the lead." That's a, it's usually the sixteenth paragraph. Somewhere by the way. way down in there, you'll okay. find the lead. That's well, just one segment. I, I don't mind segment. it. I definitely don't mind it. You don't but, mind it. Uh, my first note is you guys, I think, are wearing a little too much. Oh, oh you want us to be naked comedy? Uh, listen, not all the way naked comedy. I don't think we can get away without without like a cabaret license. No, the minute I go top, I go bottomless. You can't sell booze anymore. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, but no, I need a little more skin from you guys. Well, Lander knows that, by the way, because Lander, and I'm not, <laughs> I'm not saying from personal experience, is a lawmaker. The topless you can sell booze, the bottomless you can't sell mm. booze, which I always thought was weird. What do you know the purpose of that rule? I think that's a state law. So, but do you? Are, but no, not, you don't have to defend no it. But do you understand that the the why that is the law? No. Really? It, it does it, Am I the only one who thinks it doesn't make sense? Or are you just looking at me like, don't make me talk about bottomless drinks. Don't make me. I'm going to talk about bottomless drinks. I, I, no, I, I agree with you. It, uh, it's hard to explain why that is or how it's helpful. And I, I mean, have no I, idea when that law Have you born. read about the push uh, that we wrote about today to get rid of the cabaret laws? Hmm. No, I didn't see oh, that. Come on. you got to oh, read that, the book of paper every day. I'm going to go no, that was, right Read now. that. Every read morning. that. We're going to come back to you. But right. here's my thing, Vince. Yeah. If I go to a bar, and I'm not saying I'm going to a strip club with female dancers or male dancers. Ian, I'm not I'm not even discriminating. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. I want to go to either bar. And if I want to have a drink, I want the option of seeing the dancer completely naked. Hmm. And the state, the jackbooted thugs of the state liquor authority won't let me do it. You do know we have the internet now, right? I was just going to no, point out. They, they I have, want live. I want it right there. They got like these virtual goggles, Gersh. You're all set. Well, I- Ian, but do you understand? So you're telling me you're going to do a comedy show. Mm-hmm. You're going to serve booze. So you are you're mandating that a performer will not take off his or her pants. And that, I think, is a bad call on your part. You think, you think so? Well, comedy is supposed to be spontaneous. Now, if I wasn't on radio, I'd be naked here. You'd be seeing everything. <laughs> Okay, and you. And say, why aren't and you now? Why aren't you practicing? Because I, you and I can get naked any time, Ian. It's for the viewers. It's That's for the true. readers. My point is, if you remember, now Vince did a story in today's Brooklyn paper. Which one? Well, it's on the website about yeah. oh, a, about story. a fifteen million dollar apartment that was sold in Dumbo. It sold for fifteen million. It was originally on the market for twenty five million, but something happened that knocked the price down. So the price went down from twenty five million after I Gersh Kunzman recorded a very controversial video in which I appeared to simulate masturbation. It was a real estate porno. Uh, if, and I know Brad Lander is not familiar with that term, so I'll explain <laughs> it. In a, fa- a fancy magazine like Home and Gardens or, 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 or Better Living, we call that real estate porn because the pictures are so, I mean, they're succulent. The Trulia you, website. You, you, you literally feel Trulia? like you're having sex with the apartment yeah. when you look at those pictures. So I went to this $15, 25000000 million Dumbo clock tower, and I just did a real estate porn. I was just like... I literally was oozing male seed just being in that apartment. (laughs) Now, it was all simulated, but point of information, Vince posted a story today about that apartment being sold, linking to my video, and the traffic has been through the roof, Brad Lander. And it's because people love that video. Now, this comes back to what's the angle? Everybody else just wrote somebody, they sold a $15 million apartment. We wrote they sold a $25 million apartment for $15 million after Gersh used it or, and abused it. I didn't abuse it. I did lick the washing machine. It was a Dernbosch washing machine. It was unbelievable. <laughs> and I did fondle. They come in different flavors. I, I did fondle the Corian countertop. Because, Ian, i got to say, if you saw this countertop, you I, I only fondled it. I don't know what you would have done. Do you know how much HGTV I watch? Okay, there you so go. So much. The point is, the video's going up through the roof. The reason I even bring it up. Is because that's comedy. That's like when you are simulating masturbation in an apartment that's going for $25 million, you are on the edge. And what happened to me, Ian? What happened to me when I got back to the office? And what did the boss say? What? <laughs> You're coming to Human Resources right now. <laughs> and I was this close. And, I, Jimmy, let the record show my fingers are literally together to getting fired. <laughs> are fired. they suing you for $10 million? No, no. They, I don't, not, please. Not I Brooklyn have, paper. I mean, the, the Jimmy, developer. we got we to gotta, we delete that part out because if anybody hears – because now they could sue me because they lost a fortune <laughs> and they were so mad. And then I took the video down. And then the boss calls me back into the office and says, no, 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 no. The first mistake you made was putting it up. The second mistake you made was taking it down. And the reason being, he was Texan, by the way. The and the reason third was <laughs> talking about it on the radio. Oh, yeah, bring it up he again. He was Jewish, Gersh. 
He was Jewish in Texas. <laughs> and the reason he thought it was, you, you, once you put it up, you, you're saying, look, I'm standing by this story. The minute you take it down, you're like, eh, you know what? I can't stand by that. No, I stand <laughs> by that story. And, and as you know, my simulated erection stands by it too. Mm. The the story pointed out that you got in trouble for the decisions you made. <laughs> the decisions being plural, yeah. many decisions made. There were many many mistakes made along the way. Yeah. One of which was taking off my shirt to suggest that I was naked <laughs> on the oak floor. But I got to say, Lander, if you saw this oak floor, you might have taken off your shirt too. You might have. Ian, let me ask you something. You go into an apartment like that. It's a twenty-five million dollar. You never three f- three floors mm-hmm. with an with, elevator. Yeah, with a <laughs> with a shaft. <laughs> the elevator did have a shaft. All right, mm-hmm. and Ian, you're not a rich man, even though you live in Williamsburg near the Bedford Avenue station with you know with your high rent. But you're not a rich man. You go into that apartment. What is going to be your physical reaction to being in that apartment? You're going to get aroused, am I right? Absolutely, I'm going to get aroused. Are you kidding me? It's all in the details, though. We got subway tile in that kitchen. I'm getting aroused. Okay, good, good. Now, Hardwood you, floors. If you had a video camera with you, oh, okay. if you had a video camera with you, what would mm-hmm. you do? What would you would you film your arousal? Hmm, now that I think about it, I'd probably film my arousal. Yeah. 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 I guess the question is, if you had the opportunity to make a real estate porn, would you do it? Absolutely, and I'd send it right to the desk of Barbara Corcoran. <laughs> Nicely done. She's not in the business anymore, but that's fantastic. Wow, you really pulled that name out of the hat. Oh, she's I love the, her. She's in the Shark Tank. She's in the Shark Tank. Is yep. she now? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. There you go. Well, anyway, the point is, I did it, and I even had, I want to play with you, uh, play a little of the music I had. Uh, I think I had some some great porn music. I don't have it on my phone anymore, but all right. We had had two forms of music at, you know, at our disposal at any second. It was the porn music and the music from the uh, football marches. Go, 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 go. It's a cold day in Green Bay. <laughs> we always used to add that in. And then when we hired Dan McLeod, who had a 1970s porn star mustache, we actually called him on the phone and said, Hey, Dan McLeod, you got the job. And then we played porn music in the background. <laughs> <laughs> we did it live. We hired him live on the air. <laughs> it was like fantastic. And he didn't know what was going on. He had no idea. <laughs> All right. Anyway, we got to get out. Ian, let's talk a little bit more about comedy for mm-hmm. a second. This is the stuff you can look forward to. Absolutely. Yeah, this is the Ian, stuff you, you got to put us on the show. I don't really know what the problem is. I really don't at this point. Do you? I don't know. I, this idea just isn't sexy to me. You know what I mean? Since when does comedy have to be sexy? Sex I told it. you I'd take my clothes off. Oh, that's the part that's not sexy. Sorry. Ian. No, no. Sorry. I mean, here's the thing. I've been I've been flustered all show sitting next to Vince. This guy, you are right. He is handsome. That's what yeah. I, every what time we bring it up. When, yeah. But here's the thing. We always ask people, yeah, sure, he's handsome, but would you sleep with him? Oh, and absolutely. The, oh, you would? Okay, you're the first guest you ever would sleep oh, with him. Okay. Thank you. We've thank had you. we've had lesbians on who say, oh my God, he's such a fox, but of course I wouldn't sleep with him. And then I say, oh my God, he's such a fox, but I wouldn't sleep with him either. Let's put that aside for a second because I don't want to embarrass Councilman Brad Lander, who's a lawmaker and a really important guy. <laughs> yeah, but should, tell us a joke. Left a while ago. Tell us a joke. Tell because you got to have a joke. Give me oh any joke. Goodness. Throw one out there. I need a good joke. Let's just I do a knock knock joke. Jokes. Knock knock joke. Come on. Uh, my kids. I need their. Where are they now? Where are they? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I want to know. I'm that. a lawmaker. Uh, no, you don't have any I, jokes. I, don't have a, I didn't come with a good right. joke. Ian, I think Ian sounds like Brad, and Brad sounds like Ian, and I'm having a tough time. It is refreshing. Really, I should have hired him to tell the joke for me. Ian, what's your best political joke? It doesn't have to be about Trump, but it should be. Hmm, hmm, hmm. <laughs> Political joke. Well, well I do. Uh, I do actually. I do a Baron Trump. Okay, good. Uh, good. Impression. That's, that's, that's very edgy. Yeah, Go. Uh, it's not much of an impression, but uh, he he actually uh, <laughs> he uh, he hosts a, a late night show, which I like, I like to put up around the city. I like it. Go. Um, all right, here he is. Okay. <laughs> Hey, uh, so, uh, uh, as you know, uh, uh, I've, uh, my dad's in the White House now, but, uh, my, my question is, uh, can Malia stay? Because she's really pretty. Nicely done. Nicely done. That, <laughs> and we've never heard the man talk, Baron Trump. Yeah, I have no idea what he sounds like. I assume just like me. <laughs> That's a pretty bad assumption. No, I can't be mean to Baron Trump. That's the thing. It has to be a nice impression every time because uh, I don't believe you can't talk about something people were saying you can't bring yeah, Baron yeah. into this that's mm-hmm. ridiculous okay but where comedy. are you where are you on Melania uh, Melania uh, <laughs> see that's a tough one why uh, because no I am absolutely fine with Melania it just makes me a little annoyed when I look back at everything that was said about uh, uh, about our previous first lady mm. uh, and the unfair comparisons being made there uh, everything about her looks everything about her 
and then suddenly all the same people are very quiet mm-hmm. about Melania. Mm-hmm. Wow, he's gotten very serious. Do you see that? Mm-hmm. Ian went transitioned mm-hmm. from that comedy. Like mm-hmm. me. Yeah, it's weird. That now I, all comedians I, want to do that, Gersh. Bill Murray wants to win an Academy Award for a dramatic role. You know it and I know it. Oh, Bill, Bill Murray's a legend. Now, speaking of legends, we got to get out. We're running out of time. Are we? we yeah, we're running out of time. We've got last words from a couple of people in the audience. First of all, I got Councilman Brad Lander. Now, one of the things we offer our guests is always a chance to plug whatever you want to plug. Unedited, unscripted. However, I may ask you a tough question after, but what do you want to plug? Could be a bill. It could be a meeting it could coming up. Could be your kids in the, in the school play, whatever. <laughs> plug it. Go. Oh, all right. Uh, I guess I'll do the bill I'm most excited about doing next. We are going to give fast food workers advance notice, two weeks advance notice of their schedules and a pathway to a full-time job mm. and end abusive scheduling for fast food and retail workers. Wait, and for the record, we did raise the fast food workers. Uh, wait a minute. Is that a call? <laughs> We're actually getting a call. <laughs> right, I'm going to take this call. Can we take this call? Yeah, it's never happened before. Nobody's there. I think we just hung up on it. All right. Uh, Ooh, try it again. Oh, it's over to hit Here speaker. Should I hit speaker? There you go. Brooklyn oh. Paper Radio. No, I don't think anybody's <laughs> there. It's never it's, happened before. These phones don't work. But so, Brad, just props. The council, just props. the council already did raise We're the, prop the comics. Raise Actually, the minimum the wage. State legislature. I mean, not even the state. Le- the, the 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 governor and yeah. the wage board raised the minimum wage and the to, state legislature. To what? Fifteen dollars an hour over a couple of years. It gets there in 2019. Okay. It's going up step by step. So your bill would would make the ske- make the schedules uh, clearer. First, if no, you I got the wrong number. <laughs> no, it was a wrong number. Just for the record, let the record show, Ian. It was a wrong number. But if we were drunk, we could have gone done drunk telephone right we there. Absolutely, they were, right. Looking, they were looking for Rob, they were looking for Robin. Okay, I like this bill though, Lander. I'll tell you why. Because the one thing that fast food workers always complain about to me, in addition to m- me screwing up the order, is they never know what their schedule is long enough in advance. Indeed, and that's that's really abusive in some way. Yes, yeah. I mean, you have two, a couple of different problems. One, you find out your schedule so late, you can't even schedule a second job if you could get one. Yeah. Much less, you know, go to school or take care of your kids. Also, there are some places that keep a ton of employees in part-time jobs in order not to pay them benefits. Um, and this bill would require that before you bring a new person on, you offer hours to existing workers so that they could get to a full-time oh, job if man, they wanted life. to. I like that bill. I'll, I'll, I'll support that bill. But it is a progressive bill. You have to admit that. We won't argue with and that. And there's going to be a tax from the right. And I'm looking at him right here. Vince DiMicelli He's <laughs> handsome, but he's also a conservative. A fiscal conservative. Okay. Well, anyway, fair bill. When will we hear a hearing on that bill? Uh, we had a hearing on it, oh, uh, I missed it. two, three weeks ago. And we're, we got a lot of good testimony, and we're working on trying to amend and finalize it and pass See, I like that. it. That's amend and finalize. You listen to people, you amend and finalize. Mm-hmm. All right. Ian, you're hosting a show called Rude at South Williamsburg's 4th Street Bar tonight and every Tuesday. But you got to have something else going on. Pitch away. That's right. Uh, I think I want to pitch my all-time fan favorite character, Shy Darmond. He'll be all around the city doing shows and uh, definitely book him. I don't. I don't know. Did you make that up, or was that real? What no, was no. That? This is my, my. I have a character. It's a fan favorite. It's. Uh, he's called Shy Darman. Do you guys want to talk to him? Yeah. He comes, yeah. Where's Shy Darman? Is he here? Uh, okay. He's. He can. He'll walk in. But you guys might have to ask him some questions. He's kind of shy. Oh well. Listen, shy. Oh, he just came in. Look shy at this. Shy Darman. Can you make yes. some room for him, Ian? Sure. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Shy Darman. Well, it's great to see you. Shy. Uh, what do you think of the Trump administration, just generally speaking? He really is shy. You don't, have to, you don't have to be afraid, shy. You're with friends. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's like, it looks like the um, circus um, came to Washington. And, um, it, um, never, it, uh, wow, shy. He's really shy. And that, let the record show, Jimmy, that that's his normal microphone level. He's just very shy. Uh, sorry. Uh, wow, he's shy. All right, shy, you got to let Ian come back in. Ian. Take the mic from me. From it's, okay, it's okay. Yeah, Darman. I don't know. You got to talk to him. Anyway, yeah, so Shy yeah. is going to be around town. You're saying? Yeah, yeah. Oh, he'll he'll go by Shy Darmond. He gets really upset if you call him Shy or Darmond. Just Shy Darmond. <laughs> yeah, Shy yeah. Darmond is his first name. All right, and Vin- Shy Darmond. And Vince, I would be obviously remiss if I didn't remind you. What? Our sponsors have been Atlas Meat Market, yep. Atlas Steakhouse, yep. Village Care Max to live the life and make the jokes and have the sex and pass the bills that you want to do. And, of course, Dr. Joseph Lichter, DDS. We're going to pay some bills in a minute, but we got to end the show on an up note. Yeah, I think we should turn... I was about to do that, but go ahead. I think we should turn (laughs) uh, Rikers Island into just uh, solar panels. A solar island? 
What do you think there, Bradlander? Ooh, that's Solar Island. Where, but also with dental services. <laughs> of course. I don't know why. <laughs> to but pay okay. the bills. To pay, no, we're going to pay the bills in a minute. But I like Vince's idea. Solar panels. Mm. And then when the planes are landing, they get like this mirror effect. <laughs> Blinded. Like, they have crashes right It's a little bit left. like laser pointers. That'd be awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, that's a great idea from Vince DiMaselli. Now, listen. You can play the outgoing music. Uh, actually, you can't because we're going to pay the, some bills. Sorry, yeah. I forgot to pay some bills. I, you know, I find the whole thing awkward when we pre-record the commercials. I, there, I said it, Vince. We pre-recorded the rehearsal. <laughs> this is the guy, this is the guy <laughs> who demanded. Here's the problem. For a year and a half, he's demanding. Why don't we pre-record the commercials? <laughs> we we pre-record the commercials. No, it ruins the whole thing because usually I would say to Brad Lander right now, I'd say, hey, Brad, have you ever seen a dentist who who's cheap and affordable? And you'd be like, no, I can't. Well, let's go to Joseph Lichter. Anyway, Jimmy, pay some bills and play the music on the way out. Vince, it was a great show. Councilman Brad Lander, a legend, and of course Ian Lockwood. For Thanks for having me. Go see his show. <laughs> play those ads. Thank you, Vinny. Let's pay some bills. Yeah, let's do that. Vinny, are you looking for a dentist who provides quality care at an affordable price? Who isn't? Well, everybody is, and that's why everybody should be going to Dr. Joseph Lichter. Look, Lichter's got an office in Midwood with a state-of-the-art technology, the best staff. Beautiful surroundings, but the most important thing, obviously, are the prices. Zoom whitening, $3.95. Dental implants, $12.50. The Invisalign braces that go behind your teeth, $39.95. It's no surprise that the New York Riveters, the WNHL team, uses Dr. Joseph Lichter to keep their teeth looking bright and shiny and straight. So call Lichter, 718-339-7878. Go to his office in Midwood, 1420 Avenue P, or online, josephlichterdds.com. Wow. Now, after you get your teeth all nice and ready for dinner, you're going to head over to Atlas Steakhouse, because Atlas Steakhouse offers you a unique dining experience. First, you choose your steak, and every cut is aged to tender perfection on site. Then, you pair it with a vintage from their extensive wine selection, or with an Atlas Steakhouse signature cocktail. Enjoy a succulent appetizer as their master chef crafts your choice cut as you desire. And when your main course arrives, you will understand why at Atlas Steakhouse, they always offer you a cut above the rest. Atlas Steakhouse is at 943 Coney Island Avenue. Visit them on the web at atlassteak.com. Look, let me ask you a better question. What good is having those teeth all shiny, and what good is being able to eat that steak if you can't do it in the community? And that's what's great about healthcare when it gets personal. Village Care Max, a Medicaid-managed long-term plan, helps you stay at home and in your community for as long as possible. And it's Medicaid-sponsored, so you don't even pay for it. They work with your doctor, they work with your family to get the best options for you. Don't believe me? Go to the website, villagecaremax.org, or call them at 800 469 6292 Village Care Max. Live the life, eat the steak you want to live and eat. Atlas Meat Market is your number one neighborhood butcher shop. Listen, you can't make it out to Atlas Steakhouse one night? Come on over to Atlas Meat Market. They have the same prime cuts that you get at the steakhouse. They're located at 387 Avenue X. And the great thing about Atlas Meat Market is you can call them at any time, order the food, They'll bring it right to your door. They've got steak. They've got chops. They've got chicken. They do not have pork. It is halal. But it's Atlas Meat Market, your number one neighborhood butcher shop at 387 Avenue X. You can give them a call right now at 347-915-2000. Operators are standing by.